Hey guys, Ms. Bahawk here, and you are listening to the Airborne Mind Show. Hey guys, so the Mobility Through Movement program has finally dropped. Go to the airbornemind.com slash MTM to check it out. See what some of the athletes are saying. If you're somebody who is looking for meaningful accessory work that is going to help you move better, that is going to help you improve your strict strength for things like pull-ups and uh, strict handstand push-ups, go ahead and check it out. I think you're going to find it extremely valuable. The airbornemind.com slash MTM. And if you love the show and you want to support it, make sure you head over to theairbornemind.com and you sign up for the newsletter. You'll get access to a bunch of you know guides, checklists, training videos, things of that nature. Um, so go ahead. If you love and support the show, theairbornemind.com, sign up for the newsletter. So I want to take this episode to kind of reflect back over the past year and kind of you know pick apart the things uh, that have kind of stayed constant, some of the things that I feel like were valuable enough to actually share with you. And one of the things that I think I'd like to start off with is uh, doing something that scares you every single day. And that is something that is 100% relative, right? Because something that might scare me may not scare you and vice versa. And so there's two ways that I found uh, that we can do this, right? First is physically, we show up in the gym, um, you know, every day, a couple days a week, whatever. And, you know, if you still get, get that butterfly feeling before you hit a workout, you get a little bit nervous, um, that's great, right? Because I think that every single day we should be pushing ourselves to explore that primal you know, sympathetic state, right? Where we get those butterflies, we get nervous, we're unsure, we're thinking a lot, but then you go ahead and you push through it anyway. So the other side of that is being able to, you know, train that same tolerance for discomfort uh, mentally as well. And it doesn't have to stay in just the four corners of the gym. In fact, I feel like if it does, then you're not really you know, optimizing it to the best of your ability. Because optimization, the word itself means highest and best use of, right? And so if you're training yourself to handle all this discomfort and, and tolerate uh, this pain inside the gym, but you're not kind of utilizing that for all the other different moving parts of your life, then you're kind of leaving a lot out on the table, right? And I think that you know, both can benefit each other. Kind of when you take yourself out of the gym environment and you apply this to everyday situations, and then you take it back to the gym environment, it kind of complements each other really well. So the one thing that stands out to me is, you know, the podcast, definitely. Um, that was something, so funny story, a couple years ago, you know, I heard about podcasts and the first thing that I thought of is like, you know, what the hell is a podcast, right? It just looks like this thing that's taking up a bunch of space. I might have accidentally subscribed to one and now I'm getting them every single week and it's just taking up space. I had no idea like literally how to navigate uh, the app itself. And pretty much what happened was I started listening to Barbell Shrug. And the fascinating thing for me was that 
these guys were asking the questions that I was thinking about in the back of my mind. Um, and they were asking questions in a way that was uh, teaching me something, but that was also making me get excited uh, about different things, right? Like it was sparking ideas for me in, in, in parts completely unrelated uh, to just fitness or whatever the topic may be. And I was making all these connections um, and I just found the experience of listening to a podcast extremely fascinating. And so I fell in love with listening to them. You know, I, I, I subscribe to uh, a ton of podcasts and, and most of them actually are not really in the fitness space. They're completely, you know, unrelated. But anyways, I saw this as something that I could do and that I could be decent at, but maybe it would be, you know, three years from now, five years from now. Um, I just, I had a ton of stories I was telling myself of, you know, why I couldn't do it um, until just one day I kind of like thought to myself, why can't I really do this uh, in the next six months? And when I asked myself that question, you know, I just like things started flowing. I started writing down ideas and, you know, in the next two weeks, I think it was, um, you know, I had done my first couple interviews um, and I was up and running. And that situation for me was absolutely like just frightening. So that same type of discomfort or that fear that I was feeling doing this is something to you might not be a big deal whatsoever, right? But the point is that you do have something going on, whether it is related to your training or it's outside of training, uh, that is you know, something similar, something you are afraid to do. The funny thing is that before every single episode, I still get pretty scared to death. Like I'm, I'm pretty nervous, but as soon as, you know, I start talking to the guests, uh, as soon as we are three, two, one, go, I am so in the zone. Like, I feel like, you know, that same feeling you get when you're doing a Metcon and you're just kind of absorbed in it. You don't know what else is going on. You're just, you're just moving, you're just doing right. That's exactly, I think the same feeling if I was to describe it to you that I get once we go three, two, one, and we're kind of talking to the guests. It is, to me, one of the most fulfilling things ever. And now the solo podcast, this is something that I'd been talking to a few people about, and I uh, I mentioned that I was pretty you know, scared to do this one too, but uh, whatever, we're just gonna roll with it. So the point is, do something that scares you every single day in some way, shape, or form. And you know, it doesn't need to be vocalized, you don't need to tell it to anybody, it's just, you know, between you and yourself, find whatever that is and do it. So a question that I like to ask myself from time to time is what's a belief that you held on to for quite some time but have recently let go of? And for me that definitely is volume and quantity, uh, just kind of valuing that over uh, intensity. And this doesn't just have to do with training, but you know, focusing on less but doing more of it and doing better. And the way that I've seen this play out is you know, when I first started programming, I was working with people who, uh, and I still am, with people who have full-time jobs, they have uh, family, they have friends, they have other responsibilities that they have to take care of, and, you know, crushing them with programming that was going to make them better and get them good really fast, but it just wasn't sustainable, right? So maybe they could keep up with it for a couple months, but after a while, if they keep up with that and their lifestyle, uh, it's just, it's not gonna happen, you know what I mean? And so that the biggest thing for me has been kind of really taking a hard look at that and accepting it. And this has led me to the next thing, which is why 
I think that that is one of the most important questions uh, that you can ask yourself in every single situation that you encounter. And, you know, I've been listening to this interview with um, Charles Duhigg. He is the guy who wrote The Power of Habit, which is, you know, an amazing book uh, backed by a lot of research and digs into neuroscience a little bit. Crazy smart guy, great book. But recently he came out with a book called Smarter, Better, Faster. And, you know, I haven't read the book yet, but I've been enjoying the post-analysis discussions that uh, he's been doing on podcasts. And it draws a lot on neuroscience, psychology, behavioral economics, but he also relates it back to, you know, CEOs, songwriters, pilots, FBI agents, you name it. There's tons of experiences uh, in that book. But the premise that I've taken away from these interviews uh, is that if you can create a mental model or mental representation behind every chore that you do that leads back to a deeper rooted why, you know, something that's real, something that you had to peel back the layers a little bit to figure out, uh, it's going to cause some light bulb moments for you. And that's been the biggest game changer for me this year, I think. I've been on a quest not only for myself to figure out, you know, why behind everything that I'm actually doing, but I've been on a quest to find out from the athletes that I'm working with uh, and that, you know, are listening to the show, that are readers, you know, why? Why do you keep showing up to do this? Why? What keeps you coming back to the gym and pushing forward, right? When you could be at another gym, uh, you know, on a treadmill for 15, 20 minutes. Like, that, the answer to that question just fascinates me. And so let's take a look at, you know, two different answers. The one answer could be coming from a competitor who, you know, who says their why and their reason for showing up day in and day out is because they like the process of competing every two to three months. Another person could be like, I just like coming in and kicking ass for one hour because it just makes me feel good about myself. And that's not specific enough either, right? Because you need to dig a little bit deeper. You need to ask why just one more time. And so when you ask the competitor, they could be like, well, I want to compete because it helps me feel accountable. It helps me feel like I'm pushing the limits of my abilities and that I'm continually getting better. Even though I may not make it to the grand stage of regionals or, you know, American Open or whatever it might be, that's, that's why I do it. The other person could be like, well, I feel good about myself because when I can come in and when I can do something that I previously could not do before and I surprise myself, you know, maybe I got an extra pull-up, I strung together four pull-ups instead of two pull-ups, you know, that felt liberating to me, right? That is my why. Now these are two completely different whys, right? And depending on which one you choose, your behavior is going to have to scale. And so at this point, you gotta ask yourself, you know, what are you willing to struggle for? And there's no right or wrong answer here. What I've realized is that there's not as many resources out there as we think for the person who answers this question with, hey, I just want to get better. I just wanna do this for my health. I wanna do this for a long time. I don't really have an interest in competing, but just because I don't want to compete doesn't mean I don't want to get better. Doesn't mean that I don't want muscle ups someday. Doesn't mean that I don't want to be able to do handstand push ups. And one of my athletes reached out to me and was like, you know, you can Google tons of barbell training strength cycles and templates out there, and there's hundreds of them, and they all work in some way, shape, or form. But 
the time commitment just isn't doable for a lot of these people, right? Because it doesn't line up, you know, with their why. They have a full-time job. They have other responsibilities. Um, and so for me, it's been to, the goal has been really to focus on this group and do what I can to bring more and more useful information uh, to these people who want to make the highest and best use of whatever it is they're already doing. You know, um, I've definitely gotten to a point where I'm not really working with too many competitors. There's a handful, but mostly everybody is just, you know, your everyday person who just wants to move better. And that to me has been a really fulfilling thing. And I think what you can take away from this is sitting down and really getting to the root of the why. Because even though you might think that you know it, sit down, get it on paper, refine it over and over because it can't hurt you, right? It'll only pay off in the long run. So the next thing I want to talk about is morning pages. This practice has definitely grown over me in the last year, and uh, I didn't really think it would at first. And you might have heard me talk about this before, but it's three pages of longhand journaling, pretty much just letting your subconscious thoughts come out on paper. And so the question, I guess, would be, why would you want to do something like this? And, you know, a lot of people have a hard time with something like meditation or including a breathing practice of some sort um, in your daily routine. And then that would raise the question, you know, why would somebody want to meditate? Why would you want to have a breathing practice? And so you want to think about, you know, we're in a sympathetic state during the day when something like road rage happens when you're sitting in traffic or you're late for a meeting or you have a conversation you're really dreading and you don't want to have these things are all you being you know these are stressors throughout your day and you know you need stressors like we kind of talked about earlier but you go from being in that sympathetic state but then to release all this stress and release all this energy you head over to the gym and you feel great afterwards, but you simply went from a sympathetic state to another sympathetic state, right? We never had that time to really downregulate and really, um, you know, give your body time to recover and to rest and digest. So some people use meditation or a breath protocol for that reason, but I've realized that you can do the same thing or something similar by uh, doing it on paper. And I kind of have context for both because uh, I do have a breathing practice and I do morning pages. And so I've been able to kind of compare and contrast between the two. And so I want you to think about a computer with, you know, let's say eight gigabytes of RAM, right? I don't even know if that makes sense, but eight gigabytes of RAM. And if you can, you know, if you're performing with six gigabytes full out of eight gigabytes, Obviously, you know, logic would tell you if you can empty out some space, your machine is going to perform a little bit more efficiently. It'll be a little bit more responsive um, and it'll it'll do what you want it to do. Right. And so whether you use this for training or just to work your brain in different ways and to get you to kind of reflect and think um, something I found extremely useful is asking yourself questions. So like the way that I would ask my guests um, you know, any type of question, if you kind of flip that around on yourself and you had to kind of answer it and, and get out whatever it is that it brings up for you, what it makes you think about, um, it's, it's profound, like the way that you will think when you're presented with a question versus you just sitting down and kind of trying to bang out three pages. So I found, you know, writing prompts, and this is, you know, recently, I'd say in the last like two months or so, that using these questions and writing prompts uh, are extremely, extremely beneficial. And so 
These I found in uh, Tim Ferriss' Tools of Titans from Cheryl Strayed, and I'm not going to give you all of them, but here's a few that you know stood out to me and that I really like using. The three questions that I think are great jumping off points, especially for somebody who has not tried this before, uh, is write about a time that you don't remember, write about why you could not do it, and write about why you did. Just pick one of those prompts and start writing, right? Don't filter anything that you're saying. Just let whatever kind of comes out, comes out. And when you kind of repeat this practice for some time and you stick with it, um, I guarantee you that you're gonna find it refreshing. And I highly encourage you to uh, look a little deeper into it. Don't just take my word for it. <clears throat> kind of take a look at you know uh, what Forbes wrote up on it. And I think they've done some research behind using a practice like this. So take a look into it and, and definitely give it a shot, experiment with it, see what happens. So at this point, you're probably wondering, you know, why am I so obsessed with the way that our brains think, how we behave, th just the psychology aspect of how we perform, right? Why is that so fascinating to me? And there's one experience, I think, that kind of sums up the way that it, uh, you know, that helped shape the way that I think and, and how I do what I do. And it was when I was younger, I ended up moving to Canada for a few years, um, so that I could memorize the Quran. And the Quran is the holy book of Islam. So, you know, you have the Bible, which is a holy book. You have the Torah, which is a holy book. Just like that, the Quran is too. And I'm not taking a religious turn with this or anything like that. I want you to look at it a little more objectively, right? Look at the task at hand. So to memorize the Quran, there was 511 pages. And on each page, there were uh, 15 lines. This was all in Arabic, and you had to read it with a certain tone and certain grammar that you had to learn. It was very specific, right? So when I first started memorizing, I was probably doing maybe like three, four lines out of a 15 line page, right? That's how much I would memorize uh, in one day. Now, after a little while, I ended up doing about seven lines out of 15 lines. Then it was 10 out of 15, then a page. And this is like every couple weeks, every couple months, right? After that, I got to a point where, you know, when I had 100 pages left, I was probably doing about six pages a day, right? Six 15-line pages. And so for me to look back, and I have the markings, because every day your teacher would mark, you know, how much you got done. So I can see I went from, you know, three lines to 10 lines to one page, uh, all the way to six pages over a period of two years was, you know, just fascinated the shit out of me. Because I was like, this is you know, you, you kind of manipulate the way that you think and the way that your brain works to do something that sounds so impossible, right? Like when you think about memorizing a 511 page book, you know, I don't really talk about it too much, but when I do tell people about that, they're like, holy shit, how did you do that? And it's just, it, it is crazy. It's crazy to think about, um, you know, that the brain can kind of adapt to something like that. And I'm not like a special snowflake, right? Like other people have done this and could do this and people have done it much faster than me as well. But that's, I think, where the fascination of kind of how the brain works and how we can manipulate it for a better cause and, and to do something, you know, uh, that helps people. Um, that's kind of where that fascination uh, came from for me. So on that note, if you find performance and behavior you know, psychology interesting, and uh, it makes you curious, you know, something that I highly recommend uh, that you check out is Your Brain on Podcasts. It's an episode 
on Freakonomics Radio. They pretty much had this neuroscientist on, and they did an MRI on the brain while they gave people podcasts to listen to. And so they pretty much put you in this magnet, and what they did was they monitored each location of the brain to see how it responded uh, to different elements of the story. And the thing that I think I found really interesting was when Stephen Dubner was like, you know, the stimuli we're responding to on a day-to-day basis nowadays, it's like trying to run version 18 software on version 1.0 hardware, right? And so that kind of puts into perspective why this stuff is interesting and why uh, it's important to kind of capitalize on it. It is that low-hanging fruit. It's not the sexy stuff that you kind of talk about with your friends and that uh, you're super, super open about. It's one of those things that is between you and yourself uh, for the most part, but definitely something to look into. I found that episode really interesting. Go ahead and check that out. When I think about 2017, I think about goals and kind of you know what I'd like to focus on. There's not much that I feel like I would change Um, I feel like I found a flow and a rhythm of something that works, and so I just kind of want to double down on it. The one thing that I do want to do is experiment more with uh, art. And by art, I mean, uh, we're going to use Seth Godin's definition here, and it is uh, something that might not work. Like this solo podcast, right? People could absolutely hate this episode. I could potentially get hate mail after this uh, for doing an episode like this, right? But I'm just solely doing it for the fact that, you know, it may or may not work. It's something that's fulfilling for me, something cool that I wanted to try out. So I'd like to definitely experiment with more stuff because what I've realized is how I found things that work and that uh, I'm doubling down on is from experimentation. Um, So on that note, I also want to thank every single person who has listened to the show at any point. Um, And if you stuck with me this whole way and you continue to listen, thank you, because the show wouldn't be what it is without you Um, and the guests, right? So without the guests, the show wouldn't be what it is today. And uh, I'm tremendously grateful that me being so new to the game, they kind of believed in me enough to, you know, come on and you know, give away an hour of their time and uh, chat with me about all sorts of crazy stuff. So... I have tremendous respect for every single person that has been on, and I have experimented with uh, at least one thing, I think, from every single guest that has come on the show. Uh, Some definitely more than others because it may have been more relevant to the problem that I'm trying to solve, but uh, I've definitely tried to think at least one thing, take an action on one thing from each episode. And I highly recommend that you do the same. So I think the question becomes when you start listening to a lot of podcasts, you start reading a lot of books, Are you just a consumer of the information or are you actually doing something with it? Then the question becomes, if you're doing something with it, you know, are you doing, like, how much are you doing? And there's this stress that we have to do everything that we kind of come across and listen to. It's like an all or nothing approach, right? And so I want to encourage you to kind of steer away from that and take the approach of, uh, of the one thing, right? Like, what is the one thing that you could do? from this episode? What is the one thing that you could do from the very first episode? Um, Experiment with things one at a time. Don't feel like you have to do everything at once. Uh, And some things may not be relevant to you right now, and that's totally fine, right? It might be more relevant to you a year from now when you're solving a different problem. So I hope that you found something that has made you curious, um, you know, throughout the 20 episodes that we've done so far. And I hope you continue to stay curious throughout the upcoming episodes that we have and you know all the crazy things we might dive into in 2017 um, and you know with that being said 
hope you take away something from this episode. If you've made it this far, thank you so much for listening to the first ever solo podcast that we've done. And uh, yeah, find something that inspires you, find something that makes you curious, and please do something with it. Thank you so much for listening, guys. I know you're probably driving right now or doing something else, but don't forget to head over to theairbornemind.com and grab your free movement audit checklist. If you want to check out some of the details behind the Mobility Through Movement program, you can see that either in the show notes or at theairbornemind.com mtm. And if you really enjoyed this episode, remember the best compliment you can give is by sharing it with somebody else who might enjoy it, sharing it somewhere on the web, or heading over to iTunes and leaving us a review. That would be phenomenal. If you have any questions, don't hesitate to reach out. Uh, I always love hearing from you guys. Thank you so much once again for joining me. Until next time.